Welcome back, folks, to another episode of High Tech. This is Josh and Will, your hosts. Uh, surprisingly enough, you're listening to whatever episode it is by this point, nine. We're actually recording this on launch day. So it's uh, April 13th. Yeah. We have made the podcast live to the nation. Yeah. Uh, to The nation? Well, to, I mean, yes, technically it's the nation, but we don't have that many followers. Like six people? <laughs> yeah. I don't, we don't like know. The, like four who have listened so far. Um, so if you've been following us up to this point, first of all, congrats. Second of all, um, slow clap, slow clap. we've been lying to you this whole time. This is when we've actually been live to people. If we've made it sound like we've been live, we haven't. No. We've recorded a lot of episodes ahead of time. Again, fourth wall, we break it. We break it, yeah. So yeah. launch day, exciting. You know? We're pretty stoked. And, you know, we're, we've been watching all the social we've been playing with, trying to see what the impressions are doing. And, of course, I think we don't think the data is going to be great until tomorrow because um, we we know that hundreds of you aren't listening to this at the first bit. But Anchor is still telling us that we have, like, two unique listeners and 26 plays. Yeah. So we think it's confusing. If I believe Anchor, and it, they're all female, that's the other thing that Anchor right. <laughs> It's Two like women are sitting women. there listening yeah. to. They're just hitting play. Now, it could be the case. You know, like maybe our uh, wives your wife are is just listening hitting to... play over and over and over again. I don't know about my wife. Has your I, wife listened? I don't think mine has. It say, no, she did listen um, How early kind. on. Yeah, like yeah. when we were drafting, she had access to the page because we were doing stuff and she, she did listen. So Perfect. I think her exact words were, I thought you guys were fun. I had no idea what you were talking about, but uh, for hey. context, my wife does not come from an education background. So uh, sometimes I feel that way, though. So it's fine. Yeah, that's true. We make up half of what we talk about anyway. Half. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're just a little excited. We're having a little bit of fun with that, of course. Thank you so much for anybody who is listening. And we hope you can continue to stay with us. Uh, tonight's topic of conversation is freemium software. Freemium. What freemium? What free me? What does this mean? So one of those words, if you say over and over again, it sounds weird. Premium. 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 Yeah, what do you call that? that? Yeah, we're not going to do that to you listeners. Um, it's going to be some weird ASMR up in here yeah, in a second. It's getting a little creepy at this moment, but I'm definitely <laughs> going to test that out after we're done with this episode. <laughs> Semantic satiation. So uh, freemium software is a concept we want to make sure you are aware of. You have likely used a freemium platform if you've never heard of this most of them call it freemium i mean it's like it's it's kind of a thing but it's not a thing yeah freemium just means they offer you some level of service for free uh but if you want to use more features than that or more space or something more than the basic you have to pay right that's freemium that easy now We've not just, this isn't the dictionary episode. We're not just going to see here like, okay, so the definition of freemium is and cut. Like the point behind this being a conversation topic is there's a lot of pitfalls and opportunities with freemium. Yeah. Yeah, you know, do you have any off the top of your head, Josh? I, I can think of a few like yeah, freemium I mean, I that whole, hasn't gone well. A whole list of things that could happen with freemium. And I think it's important to have this conversation, right? Because one, um, our podcast keeps suggesting tools that fall under freemium. Like, let's just be very honest. Okay. We like free. Deep is our aesthetic. <laughs> Deep is our aesthetic. Okay. And, but the other piece of this is that freemium is so rampant in ed tech. Um, like now I, I see it a little less in higher ed 
um, because we tend to be a little bit, there tends to be more restrictions sitting around in higher ed, I think in my experience of like in K-12 sometimes, but um, there's, at the same time, it's it's pretty popular. And I think there's different pitfalls that can happen with it. It's not to say that you shouldn't be using freemium tools. Obviously we're suggesting right, right. lots of them. And I think there are <laughs> lots of good tools that are out there um, because, you know, we don't got money for that. Um, you know, and education, nobody got time for that. nobody's getting paid tons of money in education. Okay. Um, if you are, let me know. Um, so. <laughs> and how. <laughs> and how. Okay. So freemium is a necessary tool, but there's, I think some of the problems and issues I noticed right away um, are this. Okay. So one of the big ones that I'm always looking for is when you are free a gen- or when the tool is free, the general principle is you are the product. Okay. That That's generally the thing I recommend to people when you're talking about freemium tools. Um, here's, here's a surprise they can give you that tool for free because they're getting something from you while you're using it. Okay. So it's not because they just are pure of heart uh, in many cases. It's because (laughs) they can get data and information off of that. And there's a lot of tools that will sell that data um, and will use it in ways. Now in education, when you're using traditional, like what I would call there's a difference between kind of two different types of tools. There's tools like ones we've suggested before, like Canva, you know, our first episode, where it's not necessarily traditionally an educational tool in of itself. It's just a lot of people in education use it. Right. Um, they they are definitely more of like in freemium. Those types of tools are more prone to some of these like data selling issues. Now, Canva, not necessarily. I will, I will say we've looked into that one and they don't have that problem. Right. Um, free ed tech tools that are more specific to education often have more restrictions on how they share data because they know about FERPA and all of those types right. of Right. They can't um, do that legally or they're going to yeah. be sued. To but they still, they still have ways of like mining your information without giving people your name and telling how things are. And if you don't care about that, that's fine. I mean, there's some tools that I use. I don't care. Fine. Go tell a marketer how I use your tool. Um, right. I, like I don't, I don't care. Um, but it's still a pitfall and it's still something we have to be very careful of. If you're going to be using free tools, you need to, I, I recommend looking into what that tool does specifically with your information. Um, and uh, it's important because your students should know too, I think, in a lot of contexts too, of what's yeah. happening. Um, well, yeah. that's that, that brings up like one of my favorite examples. Um, uh, I guess I shouldn't name it because I don't have the exact facts. I don't want to, I don't want to slander frankly um but if it's the one i'm thinking of i think you already named it in another episode <laughs> maybe i did so a, a platform that i that i've used I'm, I'm familiar with specifically used to be free and they like use the student data to place them with jobs there's some sort of altruistic like this is the good thing right it's not bad that students are getting job opportunities but that meant that they're being paid by those companies to monitor student data, so what students say, what their their grades are, you know, whatever whatever it was that they could monitor, uh, and use that to to kind of like Tinder match them up to a, a company. No, we will not be doing an episode on Tinder. That is not educational technology. Nope. Quick aside, sorry, um, but that model apparently is was not very successful, uh, and so they're just switching over and saying like, all right, we're going to stay free, but we're going to put ads. Okay. Okay. That's not the worst thing possible, but like ads in a classroom, that's not great. I I don't want to see ads while I'm doing my. Well, it also depends on what ads you get, right? Like that's another problem with some free tools. 
there will be I, I often shoot down some of the sketchier tools who are freemium because you go to their site and they're free and they're not necessarily doing sketchy stuff, but they got these weird ads <laughs> everywhere. And like they're the kind of ads that are like not just like ads like buy our soap, you know, like they're ads right. like click this big green start button to download something. Right. And it right. ends up being a virus or it ends up being like ads it, from like 2002. Yeah. And those tools aren't always trying to do that to you it's just that they need to make money um and so they make money through putting ads in um and so the point is is with these freemium tools you're just always going to have some of that now there are great tools that you can get around in that and, and part of this is not to say don't use freemium tools it's to say carefully evaluate them as a teacher an instructor or somebody using it in an online instructional environment um just think about what you're going to use you know um, like we've suggested a handful of tools on here. And uh, like I, I come back to Canva, for instance, because Canva, I think, is an example of what I would label as like a it's freemium, but it checks off all my boxes for not being concerned um, right. because they have policies on taking care of people's data. They they don't put up all these random ads on their site. Um, they when you use the tool, whether it's free or you're using the pro version, it's actually kind of hard to tell which version you're using. Um, because it's so close to being the same thing. Yeah. Um, with the exception of if you don't pay, they put watermarks on images or like you experienced the other day, you might have problems downloading certain templates that you use. Right. Um, yeah, they have premium templates. That's just a fact. Yeah, you need that's to like be a fact. careful and about they have the to ones make you're money. using. Yeah. You're like, I don't care that they do that. They have to make money. They're a company. They're, they're, they need to make some type of money. But you're going to have tools, though, that are free. They're going to create those other problems. The other thing I would say to look out for that I see so often with freemium tools, and this is so rampant in ed tech, is um, it's free if you create these. You can only create these three um, right. projects. And when you hit we offer three, 15 things. But. Yeah, like you can only create three projects. And then when you hit three, you have to pay. Um, or you get seven day trials. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, like, I just see time and time again, instructors who are like, they're so excited about the tool that they're willing to be like, okay, guys, we're going to work on this project, but you have seven days to do it because this tool is going to shut down in seven days. Like, um, so like, yeah, you, it's you not can, about the pedagogy of how we want to do the activity. It's you've got seven days until you're seven days good. Now it's sometimes in regular classes, if it's a one-off, like it's not a huge problem. Um, but my encouragement to those of you guys who are going to teach online or hybrid type of classes, um, be cautious of those things because it's a different environment. Um, and right. I find more often students have issues with that. I remember a teacher wanted to uh, bring in this thing that only went for seven days, but the project had to be longer than seven days. Like the, it stopped and shut off the account. And we were like, this doesn't work. Like you, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't do that. Um, and uh, so it's and, just and, and or though your risk is that your students actually end up paying the, for the software. Yeah, and that's happened. And, and I've seen that happen before. A student get angry. Another, um, I'll name products because I don't care if they don't like me. Um, Novio. If any of you guys know Novio, it's a it's a program that a lot of people use for like screen recording and PowerPoint presentations. Um, and here goes another. Um, <laughs> sponsored down the drain. Um, so it's <laughs> I don't want their sponsorships. So. Um, <laughs> Novio is a tool that's free um, and it does create cool like screen recording presentations I'll give them that like it, it kind of creates a good product um, but they can only create what is it like 
three videos and they can only go to like five minutes or something and if they go over five minutes that it auto stops the video i have to look it's been a little bit since i've looked at no sure, sure, restrictions sure. um but uh we had to cut it out of a bunch of courses that we had um because it confused a bunch of students and a few actually purchased the tool um yeah. thinking they had to do it to finish their tool and so we cut it um and it's since gotten a reliable tool that fits in our lms our, our learning management system because we can only course. imagine when we get that call or some some advisor gets that call of i just spent 45 dollars to complete an assignment like uh can you imagine like just it's not good yeah. it, no one's happy yeah. all the administrators get involved you just you just have a bad day so yeah. i mean the good news is there's a lot of free tools that give you just enough to use with you and your students. No big deal. Nearpod. Nearpod is a great freemium tool uh, yeah. because their free limitations are frankly just about space um, in the Nearpod session you can, and, and, and number of seats. So you can do as many Nearpods as you want to. They have to stay under like 10 megabytes total size. Okay, that's a limit. And you can't produced to more than like 30 or 40 students at a time. So if you've got small classes and you're just talking slides and a couple of polls, you're, you're golden. You can use Nearpod to the end of the time. If you have a slide deck with 300 slides in it, imagine that that's going to be, you know, bigger than, yeah. than, you know, your, your space allowance, but that's a great one. And I've checked, I've checked that one out as well. Like they're not selling your data. They're not doing anything they shouldn't be. Um, you can get in there and use that for free with good conscience. And yeah. know that it's going to serve you. The big limit is, of course, if you have more than the 30 or 40 students, you can't use it. It's just not going to be practical to use it for you. Yeah. But yeah, these are the things ways, to watch for. There's ways around it. Yeah. And that's and that's like to the point of what we're talking about in freemium. Again, I don't want this to just come off as like, oh, if I if it doesn't ask me for money, I shouldn't use the tool. And don't do that because you would never use half of that tech that's out there. Right. Um, so like there are tools that can be used like for your your example nearpod um i use um for instance one of my joke the the ed tech tool that everyone knows kahoot um yeah. like the one that you hate the music for um that's another example they are a freemium tool um but they are free in that their limits are on some of the more like complex type of quiz questions that they offer um, you can do like general kind of like multiple choice stuff pretty easily and get away with using Kahoot without paying for it in a lot of cases. Um, same with storage limits. We've suggested other ones like Coggle before. Um, that's a freemium tool. I recommend using that one because it's freemium, but you can do everything you could do in their paid version pretty easily. Um, and the basic limit, like you said, is size storage. Uh, they only let students and you have, I think, like three private mind maps. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you can have unlimited public and it's really easy just to tell a student to be like, hey, delete that one when you're done or export it as an image and get rid of it or make it public. Um, and they also don't sneak in, uh, as I call it, the charge afterwards to be like, you know, in big letters, pay, you know, they don't they don't do that. They're they're not tricky about how they try to do it. They're pretty clear about like, here's a here's the free version. Here's the paid version. Here's what nice. So, I mean, we got examples of the day goes out. I think it's just really good to know and understand freemium and, and understand kind of the philosophy behind it even. Um, one of the things that I think is important for us who are teaching students and, and, 
and if we perceive teaching as molding and, and shaping learners and people, there's an ethical component that if it's free and that's their terms and conditions, we have to be considerate of that. You know, yeah. like you, I, I know, I know some folks and it's okay. Like we all have to do what we need to do in the moment to get a lesson done. I'm not, I'm not belittling anybody or judging anybody, but I know some folks who's like, all right, how many email addresses can I make for free to refer myself for free to get gold credits for this product, to use its, you know, premium features for the next six months. Like, and they do it. And, and, you know, these products need to charge a fee to exist. And I understand that it sucks to have to pay. Um, but it, I think it's also something we need to be wary about modeling the healthy and the ethical behavior to our students. Like if they've got freemium limits, there's some element of that that we need to respect. They've, they've got a need to keep the product open and running. Um, and we need to, you know, really dig in on that. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think that this is a great conversation, but we've, we've fairly well zoomed in on this. And I think it's time to zoom out a little bit. <laughs> right. And talk about our next subject this evening, our tool, our application of the week being, what is it, Josh? Um, it's obviously Skype, right? Is it Skype? Oh, 100%, Skype? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Is that even no. around? No, Skype no. exists. Uh, Skype definitely exists. Now, uh, Zoom. We need Zoom. to talk about Zoom. I bet none of you have ever heard of it, right? Like Never, not zero, once. Anyone who's listening right now is like, what is Zoom? This sounds like a, an interesting tool. You know, uh, Zoom first used. came into my vernacular and got stuck in my head with the old Mazda commercials. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Oh, gosh. I haven't that's, heard those in forever. That's stuck in, like, to this day, I think even uh, Zoom, the company, suffers from being, from my mind, being associated with Mazda. Like, it's not, but... I can't separate the two things. Now, uh, I, I, of course, went for that hard-hitting segue. Forgive me. Uh, not sorry. But Zoom is a great product we've all been using now at least since last March. And if you haven't been using Zoom, you're using Microsoft Teams, you're using Google Meet, you're using some other third party. Okay, you've got a video conferencing platform at your institution. Bar none. But Zoom... Man, have you ever used a product more responsive, more, you know, developed, more powerful than this? Like, I can't think of a, a product that I've, you know, submitted tickets to and seen turnaround so yeah, quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they do a good job of support. They are a good, I think, overall, like, simple video conference tool. Um, I feel like we don't have to, like, like this app this week. It's like the other ones we have to, like, sell or give this idea of how you can use it. It's like, I also don't want to bore you with all of those because it's like, if you haven't used a video conference tool in 2020 or 2021 <laughs> in education, I don't know what the... I don't You're know on sabbatical. You're on you sabbatical. Like, where have you been at? And if you haven't used Zoom, like, Zoom is definitely the the winner, I would say, of video conference tools for education. Um, it's, it's funny because like <laughs> Skype used to be the biggest name brand video conference yeah. tool, and somewhere along the line, when we all decided to go remote zoom, like snuck in and kicked them to the curb. And it was just like, we're here. And, like we, that's, and, we used to Skype like you Google, right? We took yeah. the name of it. We made that the, the verb. Now we zoom that yeah. like, Skyping is dead. We like, zoom. I, and for those who are newer to the space. I don't realize that like they think like zoom's always been around it's like no when like a couple of years ago basically before 2020 
like zoom was not the name brand company in video conference like a lot of people used it it was gaining popularity and education right um but like not to the level it is now after covid and And you've had your webexes you've got like the cisco platforms you've got other big corporate names that really held but the only i think the only two damages zoom took last year and one would might might have been their fault the other not so much but zoom bombing of course like this whole idea yeah. that people can get in your classrooms zoom made it so easy to join a session that if you put a link out publicly you're gonna get bad actors um and and the and the uh china situation like oh, yeah. servers who has access to data china china kind of extorted them that's my opinion right that's not the opinion of the podcast that's my opinion but china said you will not be able to run in our our country unless you give us access to data that takes place on our servers well that's when every single government organization pulled out of zoom and said we can't use that product Um, and some institutions did as well but zoom's done a lot of work now on the press to try and a make sure that if you want to you can control your servers so you don't have to run your data through chinese servers therefore china doesn't have access to your data Uh, but two pr and marketing they've had to address that big big time uh, and and the Zoom bombing, they've just they've added so many more security features than I've ever had in a in a meeting platform, which is yeah, I they, think a good thing. Yeah, to your comment earlier about like support and things, um, they they did respond fairly quickly to that Zoom bombing issue as fast as they could. Like I, I know people criticizing them about it. it's like guys, remember they like yes, you all moved to teaching remote very quickly in 2020. Um, Zoom also just rapidly moved to apparently all courses being run in Zoom. <laughs> like they, they didn't design their tool. Cause I, I've heard faculty before complain about like, well, I can't open all of these things together in Zoom and I have to go between the screens. I have to keep reminding them that the case you do remember, Zoom was not designed as an educational tool. Um, it was not designed to run classrooms. Like that was that right. was not its original thing. Now they have features that have helped that. They've designed their Zoom room tool that yep. a lot of schools took advantage of even before COVID. Um, and they have updated some things since then to try to make the process a little bit better. And there are also companies coming in from the outside creating basically LMSs on top of Zoom. Like, um, and so like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff happening, but we have to remember like before last spring, um, Zoom was, while it was a conference tool that education used a lot, it was not what we see right now. It was not, they were not necessarily intending to be education's digital classroom. Um, The world ended up living on Zoom while everybody was trying to have class in it as well. And And, and you know what? I'll, I'll just say this to their credit. I personally cannot recall a single outage of Zoom. I I've had bad connection. That could have been me, could have been other people, but Canvas went down. Google's gone down. Uh, yeah. Amazon's had issues during yeah. um, COVID, and yet <laughs> Zoom has always stayed up. Yeah, I, I will I say we we saw an outage. I think did at you? One point. Okay, there was a brief one. I forget if it was like right after the transition to remote, or if it was a little bit later. They had an issue. Yeah. Um, but again, they people forget. Like they think it's some of these companies can just like scale up servers overnight. It's like that's not how this works. Like they were trying to find room. Even when we, I get to see a little bit of the back end of what's going on because even though our IT department's the one who runs all the back end of Zoom, I I help run uh, our LMS. So I uh, we integrated Zoom into Canvas. Like we have a portal right. inside each of the courses for Canvas. 
Um, and so I got to see some of the back end conversation that was going on. I know it was tough to get licenses and things for a little while, but I don't blame Zoom necessarily. They were getting like swamped with requests yeah. Yeah. from people that they weren't prepared for um, and shouldn't have been just like everybody else wasn't prepared for what happened last spring. So like, let's give them a break. Right. Now that we've talked them up enough, I, I want to like, I want to jump into a different part of here, the Zoom conversation, oh, sure. yeah. right? So, because like, if you're listening and you don't know what Zoom is, I'm sorry, uh, but I'm not going to depth explanation of what Zoom is because I don't want to bore the majority of us who do actually know what it is. Um, if you don't, I love you. It's it's not a criticism. Um, so, uh, but what I do want to talk about this is like best practices for Zoom, right? Well, um, like that's what we get, I think the most, that's where my area is a lot when I'm dealing with Zoom. It's like, yes, I get the emails about, hey, I can't log into Zoom. And I say, cool, I'm not IT. And I email them off to IT, but, um, <laughs> I, like the best practices piece is what I'm more interested in because we've had to talk about that a lot with instructors. It's different teaching in Zoom. Um, the I hate using the term because it became a popular term, Zoom fatigue. Um, yeah. I feel like we're talking too late on that conversation now in the podcast to really give influence in there. But like people say they're still affected by it. They <laughs> are. Like I, I don't necessarily think it's Zoom fatigue per se. Zoom got put with this bad idea, but it's just this concept of long video. Um, yeah, yeah. We're all tired of being on video. Yeah. So yeah, let's start with you, man. What, what are some of the best practices you give to faculty when you're teaching in Zoom? Um, actually, to address that, well, the, two, the top two things for me is, number one, and this is the hardest one to, for a lot of folks to do, buy a second monitor or get a second monitor <laughs> or hunt a second monitor or pick one up off the street pick up get any your, tv you see in the trash TV. yeah like, right it doesn't a have sec- to be high def you know yeah it, exactly it can still be it just know. needs your slides you need to be able to put your slides on one <laughs> screen so you can see your students on the other screen i can't tell you how many faculty i'll see like wrestling with how hard it is to teach online i'm like yes if you're on one screen and you're trying to flip back and forth between everything and you need to have six different apps and programs open to, to teach class i get it I, right now we're doing this podcast. I've got myself, I've got Josh, I've got Notion, I've got Audacity. One, two, three, four across four, two screens. And then my cell phone. Like I need to be able to see yeah. plenty of things at one time. You do too. You've got your notes. You've got your slides. You want to show Canvas. You want, you're using Nearpod or you're using some other tool You know, during class. It's important to have two screens for teaching in Zoom. It, now, an actual Zoom feature we can use. Here's a good one. Um, that's, you know, of course, helpful for practice teaching in Zoom, but it's not a Zoom feature. Hide self-view. I actually think that this is really important for the Zoom fatigue oh, stuff yeah, because true. one of the things that happens when you're in a meeting, we're all human. We're all subject to narcissism. We all have egos. It's okay. I, I More often, I've got Josh nice and big on my screen. I look at myself a lot. I don't <laughs> even look at Josh as much. I, I'm looking at myself like, what am I doing? Do I look funny? I'm, Why am I? I'm hurt. Yeah, well, you're pretty, but I'm prettier. No, I'm. Oh, oh okay, <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll edit that. I probably uh, that won't. was like that was straight to the heart. That hurt. Shot to the heart. <laughs> if you hide self view, it allows you to focus on everybody else, and that takes one thing out of your brain processing. What do I yeah. look like? What do I look like? Yeah. What do I look like? What do I look like? When you're looking left or at yourself the entire time, that's really distracting. Um, and I've had the chance to say that to a couple of classes, like with a faculty member, like, hey, class, by the way, if you get tired of being in Zoom, why don't you try using the turn off self view? And you can do that by hovering over your own image box in Zoom. You'll see the ellipsis in the top right hand side. Click that and hide self view will be one of those options right there. 
boom. I promise you that you'll feel better most days in Zoom not watching yourself. I think it's, it's okay. It's kind of helpful if you're presenting. It's okay. It's kind of helpful if you might be in a one-on-one, -on -one, right? Because you want to know if somebody's opening the door behind you or whatever. Like, it's not a bad thing to have on, but that's a contributors. It's, it's another distraction. It's another burden to be thinking about yourself the entire time you're sitting there on Zoom. And add into the second monitor thing, because I know the quite like the issue I see quite often is to your point. Well, yes, grab a second monitor, but we also have a lot of faculty who may be like teaching Zoom in an actual classroom, like they have Zoom hooked up or they're on a computer yeah. classroom. Like we have a lot of that. We have remote uh, instructors who are teaching in the classroom. They have some students on Zoom, some students who aren't. Um, here's a trick that I'm I'm so surprised that people don't get this in the beginning. Um, when you join Zoom with your Zoom account, whether you have an institutional account you're given or you have your own account or whatever it is, it's not like Zoom says you can't join this on any other device with that account. Um, and I find faculty so many times who are like, they think they can only join on that one computer. Best trick you can do, this will help you so much. If you're in a classroom that only has like, you know, screen up on a monitor somewhere and your computer, one of the great things you can do, bring your laptop or an iPad or something along a mobile device. You can join the Zoom meeting with that device too. And yes, there will technically be two of you <laughs> in the meeting. Um, but what I do is like, I turn the webcam off on my laptop um, and I'll have it on. And a lot of times I'll share my screen from my laptop um, because I can share like, PowerPoints or things from there, or I I have a laptop that has a stylus, so I can draw on it. I can write with it while I'm up on there. And so I share it and it shows up on the monitor behind me and it's going to show up uh, to those who are on Zoom as well as the class. Um, and that gives you that second, that second monitor type of thing that Will's talking about. Now, sometimes it can yeah. be difficult managing two devices. Um, I can, I can get to that, but it's super helpful. And what I'd love to see is like, we had a faculty member who did that he brought his laptop and when they like broke out in groups he had some people in class and some in zoom he would go onto his laptop and jump on with those on zoom real quick like he still had zoom up on the computer the big computer in the classroom but he would go in through his laptop and just check in on those students yeah laptop um like those those are just those are i think useful things that you kind of forget about um, and this this was actually something that was starting to begin become pretty big for me at my institution uh, because we were working on a lot of science, engineering, technology focused stuff, and people wanted to be able to handwrite equations and things like that. And that was actually really easy to do with iPads and stuff. Like we were getting into that practice of, of getting faculty an iPad so they could be on Zoom for whatever purpose they were doing, or, or, or if they were screen recording for the, the class, like this is all pre-COVID, but they could use an iPad and walk around the room and annotate on Zoom. Yeah. Right. That it's a great like presentation tool, frankly, and it's easily available to you. Yeah. Any other app, any other device you have will be able to get you there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a few, I have a couple other, cause we're a uh, couple other suggestions, right? Yeah, to yeah. Off some of that. So um, a couple of things I think to consider, whether you're teaching just purely in zoom or you're in like an actual classroom and you have some students in zoom, some not. Um, we joke about the zoom fatigue thing, uh, but it is a reality. Like, um, so give some context to this, right? Like we have instructors who, you know, teach anywhere from hour and a half classes to have like grad residencies that are teaching like 
eight hour clock, like sessions with breaks during the day. Um, if I had a dollar for every time somebody's just like, oh, I'll just do my entire hour and a half talking on Zoom like I would in class um, or do we'll have an eight hour Zoom session. Um, like it's it's just not gonna work. Like it doesn't work that way. There's There's the Zoom fatigue that people register. It's not something special to Zoom. It has to do with being online and watching video there's just something about us watching video and i've heard people make arguments it's like well people watch like two hour movies it's like yes but there's like a story and things happening um like and it's fun and they're motivated to do it (laughs) you know what i mean um so like the that's just not gonna work um and so i i recommend like that doesn't mean you have to like not teach your content the way you would it doesn't mean you have to constantly do breakouts you know i i think it's just like diversifying what you do in zoom just like you would in a normal class like really when you're coming to zoom it's some of the same principles it just looks different um like talking you know for short segments maybe and uh checking with the students asking questions maybe having like a prompt question to ask in zoom so that it's not always you talking um using the feature in zoom if you have it available to you breakout rooms um are a great tool. I love breakout rooms. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that is uh, or don't use it, it's a simple tool through Zoom. Um, you won't have it through a basic Zoom account. You need like a pro account to have it. But most institutions, if you're using Zoom by this point, have pro accounts. Right. Um, the uh, breakout room allows you to assign different students in the Zoom session to different rooms and basically click go and they get sent to their own little virtual rooms inside your Zoom session. And you can easily broadcast messages to them pop into those rooms and see how they're doing and it works great for collaboration um with students uh and you can even set those there's like a way to set time limits on those rooms um and so like i would even recommend like thinking through okay i'm going to talk through some of this content maybe break them out into some sessions for a little bit to talk about some things uh work on some stuff uh you can leverage the lms or the digital stuff that you're using already to have them kind of collaborate together yeah. Um, yeah, and, and one of the things that was really cool at the end of the end of twenty twenty was they released a feature that would let people self select their breakout rooms. Yeah. Previously, you either had to like upload a CSV file ahead ahead of class with your breakout rooms, or you had to do it live, and that wasn't really great for big classes. Yeah. So the self select thing has been really awesome, especially you know even even just outside of class, but like. I've used it now in PD sessions and conferences and stuff. Where it's like, all right, here, here are the breakout rooms. Feel free to go to whichever you know speed table you want to go to. And I'm like, all right, I'll go to room two. And I click that myself. Yeah. Really easy to have that experience. Yeah. And you could also now, uh, I think, pre-assign breakout rooms too. Like we yeah. were able to do that. Um, yeah. And uh, so you can go in and even break out your students ahead of time of what you're going to do. So I, I think that's great. Um, and even like just with using breakout rooms, like, to do breaks you don't have to just do that too even a simple like we're going to take a 10 minute break um in between some of the stuff you're doing like go to the bathroom go go do what you need to do come back um you would do that in longer classes i think with instructors but i think it's also helpful in your regular kind of sized classes now uh in zoom just to kind of break things up it also allows for like the general conversation that you have happen in class that you don't have happen in zoom all the time um, I think sometimes people can take advantage of that uh, as well. Um, yeah, I think I think those are some of the big ones for me. I think the other thing, if you're um, teaching outside, like teaching people in a classroom and in Zoom, that would be my other suggestion, um, because we do have some people doing that if you're doing that. Um, just make sure to 
to remember that those Zoom students are there um, and uh, to make sure to take intentional times, not just to ask questions, but to ask questions from them. Um, I think like that's that's an important part for me. Um, now you have to take into account like are they sick? Are they like the the world we live in right now? There may be reasons that they're not uh, in class and they're in Zoom. Yeah. So they may not be in a situation where they feel very talkative uh, at this point. But one of the things uh, one of our colleagues did at my institution that I thought was really cool. He actually assigned a student as basically like the Zoom moderator um, and had him like take questions through chat. Um, and so if a student had a question, he was the physical presence for that, the, the students, and he could raise his hand. And then, you know, if the student actually wanted to talk, that student would unmute themselves and they would talk. Um, so I think it's just kind of, it's, it takes a little bit of a different management style. That's a great way to, it, it can handle it. Great way to leverage the, um, the community element of learning too. Like everybody's involved at some level. There's a responsibility yeah. of us all to be here and to help one another. I really, really appreciate that. Well, hey, this has been another week of high tech. We're thrilled to have dug into some of the do's and don'ts with Zoom, as well as discuss some freemium. Uh, we'll wrap this here and have a close out in just a few seconds. So another week of the high tech podcast guys thank you so much for joining us talking about the vague tool that no one knows zoom uh it's so crazy no one has any idea what it is really appreciate you guys time um hope that you last from launch day today to this episode um so thank you for joining us as we kind of just talk about you know, using that tech in your classroom virtual physical whatever it is we just want to use it well uh to teach so thank you guys See ya.